Let us turn to 2 Corinthians and chapter 1. The second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, the first chapter, and we shall read from the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. The word translated comfort occurs 18 times in 2 Corinthians. This has led some to call this the epistle of comfort. It opens with the subject, as we see there in verse 3, where God is called the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And then straight away comes our text in verse 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What is meant by the word comfort here? In the original, it's... It literally means to call to one side. And the picture is someone who is a little way away and one who has got comfort to give and they're called to come to the side of that one. You can imagine, say, uh, a little child who is playing somewhere and then he falls over hurts himself, and mother is a little way away, and puts out her arms, calls, and the little child runs to her, and she puts her arms around him. She has called him to her side, and he knows that comfort and refuge of her love. And so we find verses like Psalm 46, verse 1, that we sang earlier, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 91, we have the picture of dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty and being covered with his wings. And it's the place of comfort at his side and in his love. 
Philippians 2 verse 1 speaks about consolation in Christ, the comfort of love. So it's called to the Lord himself, whereby he imparts that needed comfort to us. And you'll notice in this verse, Paul is not just teaching the subject of divine comfort. He is testifying to it from his own experience, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. And so this is a matter of experience to be known and felt and enjoyed. So let us look then at this verse together, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. And let us consider what Paul shares with us here concerning divine comfort. First of all, we all need it. All our tribulation, any trouble. And the word trouble in the original is the same as tribulation. But this word tribulation, it's an expressive word. The picture is when things get on top of us. It means pressure. Our English tribulation comes from the Latin tribulum, which referred to a heavy roller used in threshing corn. And it's a picture that is familiar to us because circumstances can weigh down heavily upon us. What a heavy burden disappointment is. Loneliness. Sorrow can be crushing. Or when things get too much to bear. In chapter 1 verse 8. Here in this epistle, just a little way down this chapter, Paul writes about being pressed out of measure, above strength. It was too much. He couldn't cope with it. He didn't have the strength to bear the uh, pressure of things on him. And people, of course, can be like that too. They can get on top of us. Uh, perhaps in the form of persecution. Matthew 13 in the parable of the sower, uh, tribulation, persecution, it brings to an end the profession of some who no longer follow the Lord because it becomes too much. Revelation 1 verse 9, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, I am your brother and companion in tribulation. He says, or it can be individuals or even one individual who is just there and is proving so much a burden, a pressure, a problem to us. All our tribulation. It can also be illustrated this way, not only when things get on top of us or people get on top of us, but either side of us as well. In Matthew 7, the word is translated narrow. Narrow is the way. And you can feel compressed, squeezed, trapped in a situation. 
a dilemma. What do I choose? What do I decide? Which way do I go? I'm, I'm, I'm hemmed in in this. Or perhaps caught in straits. Whereby you can't see any way out. Like the children of Israel at the Red Sea. The Egyptians bearing down behind. The Red Sea in front blocking the way. Wilderness. Mountains either side. A, a cul-de-sac. An impossible situation on either side. Hemmed in. In an impossible place that can need comfort and only the Lord can help us at such times. Problem is, you see, it's all around us, this need of comfort because we live in a fallen world and there is sin, suffering, death and there is worry insecurity, fear. There was no tribulation in paradise that was and there'll be no tribulation in heaven afterwards. But while here, our Lord says, in the world ye shall have tribulation. And the Apostle Paul in his preaching says, through much tribulation we must enter into the kingdom of of God. Everybody is subject to it. I dare say, I can say it with confidence, that there is not one person in this congregation or one person listening to me this morning who is not in need of comfort of some kind because of these things that we have mentioned. Everyone in the world is subject to tribulation and the need of help. But Christians uniquely so, and often more so. Unbelievers are not tried quite like us, but neither do they have our unique comfort. So we all need it. And then secondly, God will give it. Verse 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation? Now, the who refers, of course, to verse 3 and that wonderful doxology there. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This great acclamation of praise to him. But notice it has two titles for God the Father. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort the father of mercies in other words he gently pours his fatherly pity on us psalm 103 that he like a father pities his children so the lord pitieth them that fear him he knoweth our frame he remembereth we are dust and did you realize that every new day that you waken to, he meets you with this fatherly mercy? Lamentations 3, 22, 23. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning, every new day. New mercies greet you from his heart and from his hand. He is 
the father of mercies who delights to bless his children with these mercies, these kind and pitying, tender cares that he has toward you from his heart. And he is the God of all comfort because every kind of comfort he has. He's the originator, he is the source, and he is the giver. And you need look no further than him. The who is the father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Now, how does he comfort us? What does he do to put us in possession of this solid comfort that strengthens our hearts? Well, one way is to show us that tribulation is actually from him. It is true that people and circumstances uh, are the cause of our tribulation, but the source is God. Thomas Watson said, whoever brings an affliction, it is God that sends it. Now that might seem rather strange to say, but you see the fact is that his sovereignty is so high and absolute that whatever tribulation, trouble we have, God has given it to us. And that means we're not at the circumstances of people, we're not at the mercy, rather, of circumstances, we are in his hands, and he is above and over all these things. It's interesting that Psalm 55, verse 22 says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, but if you have a margin Bible in that verse, burden is translated gift. So every burden is a divine gift. And every kind of tribulation is entrusted to us by him. And of course, seeing it like that, we're comforted because we know that one is in charge of this. All other causes are subordinate. But God is the originator. And God controls everything. And God can bless it to us as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. If God is not the giver of tribulation, then someone else has to be in this ultimate way. And who is that? Is it the devil? Well, then who's in charge? Who governs this world? Who is over your circumstances and mine? It's not the devil. It's the Lord, our kind heavenly Father, who rules and overrules all things for our sakes. Of him and through him and to him are all things, the apostle says. And so he sends the tribulation with one hand and he supports us under it with the other so that we can go to him and find a gracious God more than enough for us in this tribulation. And with the conviction that it's sent for a purpose, it's to do us good. He'll bring us out of it 
will be the better for it and God will have the glory and we will be blessed. So he is the one who gives it and you see he comforts us in it personally. Who comforteth individually? Isaiah 51 verse 12. I, he says, even I, get that, emphasis. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. As if to prevent us from looking anywhere else but him. And there is that very tender verse in Isaiah 66 verse 13 where God so condescendingly likens himself to a tender mother as one whom his mother comforteth so will I comfort you. A father can comfort But there's no comforter like a mother, is there? She has that knack, that special ability, that sweetness, softness, gentleness, tenderness. And God is a pitying father, but he's like a comforting mother as well. And we find that when he calls us to his side in our plight and in our need, under our burdens and in our troubles and being called to his side is as if he takes us upon his lap and he folds us to himself and the comfort of his love. And you notice the verse goes on to say, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem, in the church. Because at the means of grace, worship, preaching of the word, Christian fellowship, praying for one another. In Jerusalem, we comfort each other, don't we, in his name. And so it's a personal thing. And the Lord can ease the pressure and he can grant the peace. He uses means as well in the way God will give it. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter and he indwells us and he can especially affect our hearts and soothe our minds. And it's interesting that when those at Thessalonica were under great tribulation and trouble through persecution of the Jews... The apostle could write to them in the first letter, chapter 1, verse 6, and he can say this, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. That's remarkable, isn't it? It doesn't even say having received the word when you were converted and then came under persecution and terrible pressure from those who hated you because you were Christians. It doesn't say receive the word in much affliction with help or comfort of the Holy Ghost, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the ministry of the Spirit to us, making the Lord real and our fatherly comforter so precious to us, it can 
actually regard uh, result in joy instead of a gloominess and heaviness. Such can be the blessing of the Holy Ghost. You remember Paul and Silas in the prison at Philippi? Lashed on their backs with whips and then flung into the inner cell, cold and dark, feet in stocks. And at midnight, you'd have thought, how can it get any worse? And what do we find? They prayed and they sang praises to God. Now that must have been a joy that filled their hearts. And it must have been such a ministry of the Spirit, the Comforter. But he can do this when he makes God real to us as the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, when he helps us to come to his side, the Father's side, to enable that comfort to be real. The Lord uses the word of God to comfort us. Psalm 119, verse 15, we sang it just now. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. It's, it's done something. It's made the Lord Jesus real to me, a saviour's love. It's made God real to me, his fatherly compassions. It's strengthened me inwardly, fortified me. And that's a blessing. Remember chapter 12 and verse 9 of this epistle, when the apostle was struggling with his thorn in the flesh. The Lord Jesus, we read in the apostle's words, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It was the word that came with such power, such application. And not only the spirit and the word, but you know other Christians can be used to be a blessing to us as well. If you look at 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6, you'll see the apostle attributed the comfort he received there to the coming of a dear friend. Nevertheless, and he says that, that uh, he had no rest, troubled on every side, without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us. How? By the coming of Titus, that good friend who brought good news about the church at Corinth. And isn't it so, dear friends, that though we don't look to people, yet the Lord uses people to be such an encouragement to us, such a support, such a comfort in the things they say to us. What would we do without our Christian friends? What would we do if we were all alone, humanly speaking? But ah, there have been those times, haven't there, when perhaps you felt down in the dumps and under pressure and pretty miserable, and then you got a lovely email from someone saying, I'm thinking and praying for you at the moment and quoting a scripture. 
which has come as a message from God to you and it's changed you. Or maybe someone has paid a visit to you and there the bit of fellowship and perhaps talking about the word, praying together and it's left you so different. Such a blessing. God that comforted them that are cast down comforted us by the coming of someone else. So God will give it. And let us think of the benefits of this. Why is it that the Lord does send tribulation and then he gives us the help and the comfort in it? Well, one reason is to form our character. In Romans 5 verse 3 we read, Tribulation worketh patience. And it means fortitude. It means a persevering spirit. It means able to cope in life and, and carry on. It's character building. And no Christian would be anything like what they are by the grace of God unless tribulation had played a part in it. If you have an easy time of it, you can stagnate, you can get soft. But if there is tribulation, trouble, and you prove the Lord in it, you grow spiritually and you grow in Christian character and strength. It only comes through learning from difficulty and discipline. On a human level, uh, it's been often said, hasn't it? You may have heard it said that the, the war generation, the last war generation, were uh, so different from our generation in that they had a sense of duty and they were dependable the privations they went through, the dangers they faced, they had to just get on with it, keep calm and carry on. And there was a kind of a metal that it put into the characters of people from the last war. Just as an illustration of this, I remember what my mum and dad told me. When they were fairly newly married not long married and I was born and I was a baby. My mum and dad found themselves with a newborn baby on the streets, literally. My dad had a demob suit and 50 pounds demob money and that was all. And the alternative was the workhouse. So what did my mum and dad do? Well, he said, we're not going to spend a penny of that 50 pounds. We're going to keep it because we shall need it. And so they trudged the roads around Woolacombe in North Devon from hotel to hotel to hotel because my dad was in the Army Catering Corps in the war. And they got a job. My dad is a cook. And my mum is a chambermaid. They had a roof over their heads and they worked hard and they 
became established, brought me up, and then went on to other things. Now, I I honor that because, you see, it's in such contrast to the victim culture of today. Poor me. And every interview on the television, isn't it, in, in the news, people telling their sob stories and so on. Well, that's the result, I fear, of uh, being perhaps pampered and not really having it hard and not having character built into people. Not saying that every situation of need is not genuine and that people don't need help and support. But you know what I'm saying. As a further illustration of this, General Douglas MacArthur, who was the commander of the uh, forces in the Pacific theater of the war against the Japanese, he offered a prayer on behalf of his son, which is recorded. And this is how it went. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here let him learn to stand up in the storm. Here let him learn compassion for those who fail. And you see, it's that same kind of thing, that resilience, that character, that winning one's spurs, as it's been put. Tribulation worketh patience. And Christian people, of all people, should be people of backbone and stickability and character. And that's what tribulation works. When God blesses it to us and uh, we, we learn lessons from it and we grow from it. And there are times, I suppose, when we all think, oh, if only it could be easier than this. If only I could be free of this great Wait, this problem. But the thing is, God knows you need it. And God knows I need it. Because he's making us into something. And it also, of course, means that prayer becomes real, doesn't it? In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 30, When thou art in tribulation, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee. Of course, if it's blessed to us, our tribulation, well, again, we come to the side. We run to the side of one who calls us to his side to give us the comfort. And we pray, don't we? As Cooper puts it, trials make the promise sweet. Trials give new life to prayer. Trials bring me to his feet. Lay me low and keep me there. We never pray so well as when we're in trouble. And we never find the Lord so near and so real as when we pray to him then. And how blessed, dear friends, it becomes. Well, we all need it. God will give it. Let's see, finally, we can share it who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
You see, we will find others in need, won't we? Them which are in any trouble. And we are naturally selfish and sometimes perhaps we're tempted to get impatient with people in their trouble if we're not in it, especially when we're younger. But sometimes the Lord will cure us by sending those very things to us and then we'll be more sympathetic to others and then we'll prove the Lord for ourselves the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God what we've known his side we've been called to his arms around us his strength put into us the reality of the Lord in our lives, the preciousness of his word, the blessedness of prayer, the ministry of the spirit, whereby we've been strengthened and helped and our characters have been formed much more. The comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We share what we have received, that we may be able to comfort them. My mind goes back to years ago when uh, I had a good Christian friend in the early days of my Christian life and something happened, there was some loss, some sorrow and I told it to him and he said, oh John, I, I don't know what to say. I really don't, want, don't know what to say to you. <laughs> but he was young and I was young and it wasn't too bad. But I reckon that as the years have gone by, he'll know what to say. If he's known anything of tribulation and trouble and the Lord's gracious dealings. And we know more what to say, don't we? That we may be able to comfort them. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Isaiah 50 verse 4, a word in season to him that is weary. And there's nothing like having been there oneself and having proved the Lord like Paul to speak from experience. It comes with extra authority and persuasion. Story is told of Sir Edward Elgar, the uh, English composer. And he was once listening to a young girl singing a solo from one of his own works. And she had a voice of exceptional purity and clarity and range and an almost perfect technique. When she had finished... Sir Edward turned to someone sitting next to him and said softly, she will be really great when something happens to break her heart and then she will sing with all the feeling. And so it is the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We're able to comfort them. The writer J.M. Barry. Peter Pan fame, tells how his mother lost her favourite son 
And then he says, that is where my mother got her soft eyes. And that is why other mothers ran to her when they had lost a child. Suffering had done something for her. You can only get soft eyes when you've been comforted of God in tribulation and trouble. And then we are able to comfort others. May God bless his word and grant us these things for the glory of his name. Amen.